Hi friends, I'm Molly, your host today, and thank you for joining our Relief from Darkness podcast, where we're having conversations with people who've walked out of various hard places and straight into freedom. So today we'll be hearing from Dr. Sherry Tucker and her walk out of religion and into relationship with Christ. Dr. Tucker serves as the medical director at Ministries of Jesus Clinic in Edmond, Oklahoma. She is passionate to invite the love of God, the compassion of Jesus, and the wisdom of Holy Spirit into her medical practice. She is married and has three adult children and two adored grandchildren. Hi friends, I'm Molly and we're here with our Relief from Darkness teammates where we are continuing our conversations about how we can truly be set free from the things that are holding us back from the fullness of God's plan for our lives. And we are talking really anything, anything ranging from anxiety, depression, eating disorders, suicidal ideations, and then everything in between, because we actually really do believe and have seen people heal from these things. And when people heal from these things, their brains start to heal from these things. And whenever you change your brain, you change your life. So for this session, we're going to be hearing from Dr. Sherry Tucker and her experience with religion versus relationship. Um, And then we'll have Dr. Lori joining us for our brain dump. Hey, guys. She'll be doing the basic neuroscience that goes behind breaking things down in our brains. And so to kick us off, I'm going to kind of just give you a little bit of background of what that can look like whenever we get into religion versus the relationship with Father God. So uh, religion can oftentimes lead to legalism. And legalism is the excessive adherence to a law or formula. So that's kind of the background of where religion leads you. And so to kind of contrast with that, religion often says, I obey, therefore I am accepted. And then relationship with your father with the gospel actually says, I'm accepted, therefore I obey. And then religion can say, uh, can have motivation that's based on fear and insecurity, whereas the gospel is has a motivation that is based off of a grateful and passionate joy. And then religion oftentimes says, I obey God in order to get things from God, whereas the gospel says, I obey God to get God and enjoy Him just for the sake of being with him. Mm. So with that, Dr. Tucker, can you kind of tell us about your experience with religion and relationship growing up? Sure, I'd love to. I want to thank you for asking me today. It's it's really fun to get to share um, about our amazing father. Yeah, thank you for being here. Well, it started out as a child, I grew up in a family who loved God and went to church every Sunday morning and Sunday evening and Wednesday night. And um, it was uh, my parents and my sister and I, and um, that was just part of our life. And I did it as a um, routine, as something that we were supposed to do, just like I did everything else and went to school and got good grades and Um, just always um, did the right thing. But as as we kind of went through and started to grow up and I saw some of my friends really begin to talk about God in a way I I had no idea. Actually, I wasn't reading the Bible very much at all, only when I had to, like in Sunday school or if my parents 
would want us all to read it because I think I already had a veil over my eyes or I couldn't see uh, any of the love or grace or mercy. I just saw a God who was, and, and I think I spent a lot of time in the Old Testament or those are the stories that you remember growing up from Sunday school, um, just had certain rules and if you didn't obey them, then there were all these consequences and the mm-hmm. consequences were dramatic and drastic at times. And and so really just coming at it from a very humanistic, I just thought, wow, because everything in my life seemed very gray and this seemed very black and white. And I couldn't figure out how you could really live like that. Yeah. Again, I had I had no relationship um, with Holy Spirit, didn't even really understand. I, I knew he was part of God. And, and again, I um, always um, read about him and heard about him as Holy Ghost. And for some reason, that was terrifying to me. But the one thing that I can always remember that seemed to follow me forever was reading in the Bible where God said, um, be perfect because I am perfect. Mm. And um, so again, I thought, well, in my life of trying to like um, in school, a 90 wasn't good enough. I mean, I would have tears over a 90 or a 95. I was like, I studied enough and I knew it to make a hundred. Yeah. It was just a hundred. A hundred was the level. And if you went below that, it just wasn't good enough. Um, and so then when perfect, when God is saying be perfect, it's like, oh, wow, that is, that is on a level I don't even know how to get to because again, I, I know my thoughts. I know things that I do and say. And um, so I would pretend I mm-hmm. would go to church all the time. And in fact, when I was 12, just one afternoon on a Sunday, I realized, oh, my goodness, my whole class has been baptized. I think that morning we'd had a baptism and everyone in my class and my sixth grade class has been baptized. What is the I'm going to be baptized? And so I immediately told my parents that night. No one asked me anything about what that meant. I just, I wanted to be baptized. And so I was. And nothing changed in my life. And no people just kept saying, don't you feel, don't you just feel this closeness? Aren't you like, no, I don't, I don't know exactly what you're talking about, but I did it. I was baptized. And so now I am a Christian and good to go. Mm -hmm. However, um, Decisions that I made and thoughts that I had continued to be nothing that would come from the heart of God in in so many ways. Um, But I went to college um, because throughout my whole entire um, childhood and adolescence, I knew from the very beginning I wanted to be a physician. (laughs) And so I had it planned out and I went to um, the University of Oklahoma and loved my Um, classes and did very well and got into medical school. But every other part of my life was a disaster and was hidden in a lot of ways. Um, There were things I didn't want to um, especially have my parents or my sister know. Um, So that was always kind of hidden. And um, I, I just, I really lived a very double life. Yeah. Um, And so um, as medical st- school started, I um, had met a man, and we got married in the middle of my first year and got divorced within the year. And I really, my reason for getting married was 
nothing that I I really thought as a child about uh, wanting to love and make a home. And it was, again, just a thing that needed to get done that was on the list. And um, and so in, with the um, stress of medical school and he was applying to medical school, it just, and it was basically me. I, I had no built-in compass about how to handle problems. It, it was just run from them, basically, I really think at that point. Anyway, I continued through medical school and um, got married again to another physician and um, was so in love. He became my, he became really everything. And at this point, um, without children, I really wasn't even I wasn't even trying to um, pretend of going to church very much with my family. That had kind of even gotten um, way out there um, and got pregnant with my first son. And mm-hmm. I had no idea. I already had plans for a nanny and I was um, still um, in training. And all of a sudden I looked at him the moment he was there and thought, wow, I don't even think medicine compares to this. So um, I was going to, I had to go back in four weeks and had this lady come in and, uh, but there was just nothing about it. I just didn't want to leave Tyler anymore. So, and, and the problem was once again, I had no, I am for sure that Jesus put in me the desire to be a physician. Yeah. And that was the one thing I think I ever listened to, but I had nothing else. I, you know, I would push it away and and I was very fearful. And so I had nothing to guide me but me. Mm. And so then I'm asking everyone else around me, well, I really like this about medicine. I like, should I do this? What do you think about this? And so my husband was like, do nothing primary care because I'm an anesthesiologist and our lives will be totally different. So without even right at the very end, I'm like, you know what, radiology is like that. And radiology had a very good, like, smart people could get into radiology. Mm -hmm. Primary care, Mm -hmm. family practice, at that time, our perception as students was anybody can do that. So, Mm -hmm. hey, I'm going to choose radiology. And I got into radiology, not knowing not knowing anything about it. So here I was in radiology, and that's, I think, why my son looked so great to me was it was dark and cold and I don't talk to people. I just am learning how to do bearing (laughs) enemas. And and I think, wow, this is nothing to do with my personality. I don't think I should have thought of this sooner. You know, I don't like to be cold. And there was, anyway, they were so gracious to me when I said I'm backing out because they only take two residents a year. Wow. And so that was going to leave one um, anyway. But that was a moment of, man, something's not going right in my life. Something mm-hmm. is really wrong when it really started to affect medicine, which to me was the the most stable part of my life. But anyway, I had two sons and found myself uh, not, in, not at work, but um, divorced again. Mm. And um, this time I really was... It seemed like all of my family was just like we don't know what to do. We don't. We don't have a grid. We don't have a yeah. grid for this. Um, I don't. I think there was maybe one divorce and way extended family for long periods of time, but nothing like this. And um, one night, I'm in my house. Um, 
with my boys that I'd put to bed. And I could just walk from room to room, and it was pretty big. And and I just thought, I am in a pit. And I put my, I, I don't know how to get out. I have walked myself into this very dark place, and I don't see any light or hope. And I see that other people that talk about Jesus in a way seem to have it. Yeah. But how does that happen? Because there's nothing that I can really think about that makes me feel um, peaceful or joyful or um, wisdom, anything about when you say Jesus. But something just buckled my knees, and I was in the back playroom, <laughs> and it was very quiet and dark, and I just said, I mean, I cried. I cried. I kicked. I screamed. Just help me. Help me. Please help me. If you're real, please help me. And it it was ugly. But I woke, I mean, I kind of got myself up and went to bed. And I woke up the next morning and thought, I don't know that I feel much different, but I I know that I invited you to please come into my life and save me for me. Yeah. And from anything else. And so I was um, working. I was, I had gone back to work um, as a primary care physician and loved it. But I would find myself being drawn like if my parents had the boys for a little bit, I'd think I'm going to go to Mardell's. And for those of you who are listening outside of Oklahoma, Mardell's is like basically like your little local Christian bookstore with various Christian-related gifts, books, CDs, T-shirts, and kind of everything in between. I wanted to go to Mardell's, which is, I don't know. I mean, I wanted to go to Mardell's, but I didn't want to go to the Bible. I I still did not want to look at a Bible, but they had music. And so I'm just going up and down looking at, and I've always loved music. Can't sing a lick, can't play a lick, but love to just, listen to songs and and sing songs in my own shower that no one else would hear. And I just picked up one day, um, um, oh, I'm going to blank on his name, but his name was Dennis Jernigan. Yes. And then I found, so I grabbed this CD, don't know one thing about him. Don't know one thing. And, but I'd read on the back some songs and they, and I started, li- I'd put the boys to bed. I'd put this on at night. I'd sit on my fireplace and just began, I would, I would cry through every song. Just cry through. It, it was yeah. the most amazing songs I'd ever heard about a Jesus that could walk into any situation. And there was hope and circumstances weren't, didn't have to stay. And, and even inside us, not just externally, internally. Yeah. They wouldn't have to stay that way. And then I heard he actually came to Metro Church at that time. So I started going to that on Friday nights. And just that's how God first started talking to me was through songs. And then one day on the fireplace without my boys, they when they were with their grandparents, I had picked up a book. I moved to books. And so at Martell's, I had picked it. And again, I don't know anything about a lot of names in, in church, so I don't know if people think they're they're uh, well thought of or you know not so well thought of. But I saw a book that said "Good Morning Holy Spirit," hmm. and I thought, "Holy Spirit, wow. <laughs> Holy Spirit!" I, yeah. I think I really need to learn about him. So I get that book, 
and boys are gonna get on my fireplace and fires go it because it's got to be warm. Yeah. Um, and I open it up and I just read the introduction and the introduction says, if you need a comforter, if you need guide and wisdom, if you need a best friend that is God that would be with you and never leave you. Yeah. You need to know about the person of the Holy Spirit. That's all I read. I closed the book and said, God, I cried again. That's exactly what I need. Yeah. I need the Holy Spirit. And at that moment, I tried to explain it. I didn't have a grid to try to tell my my family around me or friends around me, but it started, I thought maybe I was having a seizure. Yeah. I thought I, I'm having a seizure, mm-hmm. but I'm not really moving that much. But it felt like everything from my head down to my toes was just trembling, was just vibrating. It was vibration. Yes. Like, But I'd look down and I was maybe shaking, but I wasn't like what I knew. And I'm like, but I'm conscious, so I don't think I'm having a seizure. <laughs> As a physician, you know, I'm trying to like, right. okay, now wait a minute. But I didn't even care about that. I didn't even care what it, but it was hot and it was waves. And I really didn't see, you know, I would say I saw, but it wasn't like I did. But I knew that looking out somewhere in somewhere, I saw a cross. And the whole time, it, I don't know how long it lasted. I have, it seemed like forever and maybe it was or wasn't, but everything that I think that I held in that I thought I did bad, I said bad, I acted bad, I was bad, whatever, was just going in front of this cross. I could just mm-hmm. see it. It was just like this this flow of things. And it was just, go- and I felt in all of that time, the most loved. And, and I when I tried to explain it, I didn't really have words and nobody around me kind of knew what I was saying, but I would say, I'm sure it's heaven. I'm sure it's heaven. I experienced heaven and we don't, nobody never needs to be afraid of heaven because I mean of (laughs) dying or going to heaven because it's the most, you are, we're so loved. We're so loved. And I just kept trying to say it. It was war. And when it was done, I was just like, I mean, I I thought different. I couldn't wait to get the Bible. So my next purchase at Mardell's on my next trip was <laughs> back. Yeah, was the Bible section. So I go to the Bible se- because I wanted to, and I could see things different. I could read things. Di- I couldn't get enough, you know. Yeah. Like so now, kind of the music is gone. Secular books I always had read. That was my favorite thing to do in the world. So that even that I just wanted to read the Bible. And I could see things, you know, I would still say, wow, I know you're saying you came to give me abundant life, but I don't know if I'm feeling, that's just so out there. It doesn't seem like it, but, you know, I would say things back, but at least I would have a hope that there's something real about this that I still don't quite know about. Mm -hmm. So that was my moment with Jesus that became and, you know, my poor family and friends, I'd say, okay, I think you just, you know, I'd want them to look at that book. And then yeah. some people would say, oh, like the the name of the author or the title that was, 
and and where I was kind of around, that was like, mm, well, maybe it wasn't the book because we don't think that book is. Mm-hmm. I had some pushback from things like that, and I don't know. Again, it was so real. I did, I just really didn't. I just really couldn't respond to people that yeah. way because I just I knew I didn't. I just knew I read the book. I said. That is what I didn't read the book. I read the first, you know, <laughs> read the introduction, entered the first page. <laughs> so, and so I knew, and I knew, I knew it was just something though that you asked for. It, it was yeah. just, you could ask for it and you could ask and God would give you like a good, good father, like a yeah. good father. So anyway, I, I, I became quite this um, person of trying to to tell everyone I knew that this is what we all needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, the the thing that I got out of that, though, the most was I am so loved. I'm so loved. But even more than that, I really think is I loved him. I loved him. I loved him so much that I wanted but then my old thinking, I think, came in because I wanted to be the best. Yeah. I wanted to show him the best because he, he I just, I just, he was the best. And so I wanted to be like that. So then instead of just kind of letting, I think, Holy Spirit kind of take me on a journey, I just, I just said, I know how to do this. I, I can be the best. I want to mm. be the best. And I'm. I know what this looks like. And so, you know, I'd set all these things. Okay, I'm going to read uh, five chapters tonight. And then I'm going to, I want to get involved in all these things. And at church, what can I do? And uh, it just became kind of this um, same kind of different as where I was before about performing. Yeah. And, but the thing that, that was in there was nothing could change that, even though I could still, I could still get into shame and condemnation, I uh, very easily. But I always knew there was so much more to him that I'd kind of like, okay, hit delete, and just start again. I knew that was at least mm. just start again, <laughs> just yeah, just get yourself back up and start again. But I kind of kept walking in the path that would kind of lead me to the other ditch of performance rather than living out of that glorious love and acceptance that I had tasted in a way I I never dreamed possible. Mm-hmm. So that was quite a few more years that, that I kind of walked back and felt like that tug inside, you know, where, where Paul would say, what kind of man am I want to do this, but I do. And I was like, just put my name in that verse because that's exactly how I feel. I want to do this and here I do all this. And then he says, but who can save me? Again, only Jesus. And so I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure what the moment was that it changed, but it, it has been an up and down process until probably about Three or four years ago, well, whenever the Passion Bible came out, mm-hmm. all I could, what, just forever, I could not get away from Song of Songs. 
I mean, really, I tried yeah. to just like speed read it through King James Version in the past because I wanted to read the Bible all the way through multiple times. And I'd get to that book and think, okay, I'm just going to like get the highlights because it just was so awkward and, and strange to me. I couldn't even <laughs> relate to it. And right. I, you know, you'd hear all different things about it, but I'm like, okay, I am going to read it because I am going to finish the whole Bible. And every time it would be this. But so when I got the Passion um, New Testament with with Proverbs and um, the Song of Songs and Psalms, I just kept wanting to read it. And I thought, this is so weird. But in that instant, reading it over and over and over and over was, I am loved like a bride. Yeah. Like I am, and we all are. A bride, so in, so loved by our shepherd king. He yeah. he's a king, and he and he has eyes only for us. Mm-hmm. And he says, "I I put you in this staircase that's high up above, and and we'll work on the you know your winter barren winter is over, and if you come away with me." We'll clean out this garden where these foxes are trying to take, but it's going to be you and me together. And it was, it was eye opening. That's all I can think about now is it's, or from that start was, okay, this is, I'm just going to live in this place because this, this is, this has done something to my heart that nothing else in the last, in all of those years of trying to be the best for him. I'm like, no, he just wants me to come away and be in this garden full of love. And then it's my adoration, my looking at him that changes me. Yeah. I, he's looking at me and I'm looking at him and um, it changes. And then it became like, okay, but in this union, it's union. It's common union, communion with him. Yeah, It's this union with him. That just like in natural marriages, this intimacy produces sons. So I can leave this place as a son of God, as someone with authority, the enemy that I just let kind of beat me up for a long, long time. I have authority because I have become one with this beloved Christ who bought me and redeem me and is shaping me into his spotless bride just by being in this place with him and loving him so so i still kind of i still get drawn to that book all the time yeah that's That's incredible but so that's kind of my journey i mean yeah so let's just kind of unpack this a little bit and honestly i'm not sure all the way how because like Dr. Lori, can you can you even do a CPR like brain dump on this topic? Molly Buck, have you seen my big fat Greek wedding? Yes. In that movie, the guy would say, You take a word, any word, and I can tell you how it had origin in Greek. So you take <laughs> any subject and I can tell you the CPR of that subject. And this is why you're our designated brain geek. <laughs> exactly. Are you ready? I'm ready. So this is beautiful. And if we think about Christianity and if we think about it as a relationship and not religion, it's the only 
form of connection with the Godhead on the planet where it's about what he did, not about what we do. And the problem is in our Western world, if you think about when a lot of times people come to know Christ, it's when we're accepting the Easter bunny or Santa Claus or the tooth fairy. And from the Santa Claus methodology, if I'm a good girl and, and he makes, he makes a, a, a a good hard look at what I did with the list that I made and he's checking it twice to find out if I've been naughty or nice. If I'm good, then good things will happen. And if I'm bad, then bad things will happen. Or if I'm good and if I pray, then I won't go through the hard parts of life. And as we start to know God as religion, instead of relationship, we're in trouble because it's not about what we do. We could never, ever do enough. That's the point about what he did. If I know whose I am, then I'll know who I am. And then I can use every bit of what I do for his glory. And so it's so important that we're connected with the son of God who became the son of man in whose I am and what he did, that he loved me, that he initiated it, that I could never be good enough. And it's not about if I just stay above the line with just being good. And if I just say the right thing, that eventually I'll end up in heaven. And if I stay below the line, if I don't say the right thing, then I'm going to end up in hell. It's about actually bringing him on earth every single day. It's about that kind of connection in relationship, all other gods, little G, we have to do things to just appease them and just be good enough. But with God, sending Jesus, he did everything that was needed and necessary. And so I have to be connected at that level. And if you think about on planet earth, then what do I want to do? Well, I want to go to elementary school and I want to do good. And then I want to go to middle school and do good. And then I want to go to high school. And then for Dr. Tucker, she wanted to go to medical school and then she gets married and she has kids and, and then she succeeds as a doctor or she didn't like radiology. And then she likes to be with her kids. And, and then eventually what, then eventually we're trying to fulfill this God shaped hole with relationship, not religion, because the devil actually knows more about God probably than I do. And so it's not about knowing him with the head knowledge. It's about experiencing him relationally. And so when we decide that we surrender, that God, I want you, that connection, we get 100% of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And then we spend the rest of our lives then working out, finding him. And it's beautiful, but we have all of him. So if you think about the CPR, the C, the connection, not out of religion or about what we do, but because of what he did, because he's so loved. And then I think about the psychoeducation. She had a head knowledge. She had a cerebral knowledge about what God, what God has done or who God is, but it wasn't a personal relationship. It wasn't an encounter with her heart. And if you think about it from the psychoeducation standpoint, I just can't help but do it just for a second. We're not going to stay <laughs> at the brain very long, but actually your heart, your physical heart actually pumps blood. When we say open the eyes of my heart, we're actually talking about the middle part of your brain in the limbic system. So did you guys hear what she said when she started to experience yeah. Jesus, when she started to see, but she wasn't really seeing when she felt this this thing go over her body? That's yeah. her limbic system being activated Every experience we have is through our brain, but she activated the eyes of her heart with her emotions and with her sensations about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that is one of the most beautiful things when we say we saw him or he 
He spoke to me. It all comes through our brain and that's in the limbic system where we can actually encounter him. And it's actually higher than our ways. It's higher than actually visibly seeing or actively hearing as we think about with our natural senses. This is a spiritual sense was awakened in her. And then because she had a radical encounter with him in the connection and with the psychoeducation, her brain is alive. It's connected with the son of God who became the son of man who wants to know her and relate to her. Then her routine changed. And you see what she did. She started going to Mardell. So she changed the music <laughs> of all places. Yes. She changed what she was reading and she started and, and she was activated. And then it actually changed what she would do because she had a God shaped void inside of her that the medical practice couldn't fulfill, that family couldn't fulfill, that the world couldn't fulfill. But once she's totally saturated with Jesus, then he'll work in and through her and she'll actually be able to give love and acceptance and significance and peace and joy and all of those things, not only to her family and to the people that she knows, but then the people that she's ministering to through her medical practice. And it's the most beautiful thing. So her, then her routine radically changes. So because we encounter Jesus, we can move from rules to relationship. And every day we can have the most important meeting of our lives that we could then bow to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in surrender saying, here I am, change me, send me. And when our story becomes part of his story, then we'll be like Dr. Tucker as she is making history to not wait and just do the right thing until maybe she goes to heaven, but actually she's bringing heaven to earth. That it's that I know that like, I feel like we can get so caught up in checking the boxes and I'm in, and we're ingrained, Dr. Tucker, how you shared, like as a little girl, we're ingrained with, if you just are good enough. And if you just do that, Dr. Lori, when you're talking about Santa Claus and it's like, we can't, um, we can't check enough boxes to change our nature, to change the human heart. And it's like, we go through life trying to either like send that away, like don't check the boxes, don't do this, don't do that, or yes, do this, and yes, do that. And it's like we can try to change the nature of the human heart doing all of those things, but in reality, there's only one thing that changes the nature of a human heart, and that is the gospel of Christ. And that is when we accept Him and experience Him, that we allow that we allow His love, like how you just said, I was just so loved. And I think a lot of times it's not even like, Lord, I just want to love you more. I just want to love you more. But what happens when we take a step back and just say, well, are you ready to be loved by him? And are you ready to receive love from him? Because that's the thing that's going to change everything. And that's whenever you get into that, to the experiential knowledge of Christ. And that's you can't even describe that. You know what I mean? And it's just a beautiful, it's just a beautiful thing. And when Dr. Lori was talking, um, I had this thing pop up and it's, uh, it says that religion says when things go wrong, I'm angry at God or myself since I believe that anyone who is good deserves a comfortable life. And in the gospel, 
the relational knowledge says, no, 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 when things go wrong, I struggle, but I know all my punishment fell on Jesus and that God will care for me as a father in my trial. Like that, can we let him be that? You know what I mean? So Dr. Tucker, if you could give just one takeaway, if someone is driving in their car or listening to this right now and they're like, man, that's resonating with me. Like, man, I think I've been stuck in this in this cycle of religion that's just making me walk in circles and live in circles. And I have this hole still that I'm trying to fulfill by any other means of checking the boxes that I'm not getting there. Then Dr. Tucker, what would you say to them? I think as we uh, said kind of earlier talking about different things, part of all of that trying to to do all those things ourselves and to be the best at things there is a form of control with that. It it, yeah. it made me feel safe. It, it it gave me until I realized that um, I am the most unsafe person for myself. That there mm-hmm. is there is no ability to control. When I finally could let go, just just let it go. I don't know. I don't know what it looks like. I don't care. And let my preoccupation leave myself and and what the and let it fall on him to be preoccupied yeah moment by moment with this is how close he is as i think about my inside and that the conversations are nonstop whether i'm wow. speaking out loud or speaking yes. inside that we get to share everything and he's already been there he's he knows it's for my good and I'll never I'll never experience anything externally that is that can even it used to be there were these pinnacles you wanted to get to because you knew oh my goodness that will be such the best but nothing externally can ever ever touch what some of the moments that I've had with him just he and I internally that um, can never be taken away. And it's, it, it is, it's glorious and it's wholeness. It's peace. Like when people say peace means shalom or shalom means peace, but it means nothing broken, Mm -hmm. everything whole in that place for sure. That's how I think about life in that place with him. It's, there is nothing broken. It is it is glorious. And it has started, as I've watched over the last few years, become more and more with my outside now. Sure, we are all living in times that are, oh, my word, I, you know, I couldn't even imagine a decade ago. And yet, because that he has become so integral to every moment and every decision and with every patient, there is a hope that doesn't disappoint. It it doesn't. I know we can see past what we're going through with this patient and and we we are invited we are in it in the midst with the one who has the provision and the answer. Hmm. And I may not. I, I probably yeah. don't a lot of times in that moment, but I know he is right there with us and yeah. that we are going to um walk out his plan because we're asking and he always responds yeah. 
he does. So it's the letting go. Mm-hmm. It's the letting go and leaning in. I catch myself a lot of times, sometimes when I'm praying, or if people are around me and I'm praying, I'm always leaning, like, I'm leaning, because it's just like, I need to lean in more. I, I need to sense you all around me. I need to feel it. And, and somehow I, I, that started with me, is to just go forward as he's breathing, breathing yeah. the breath of life over every second that we're there. That's beautiful. Dr. Lori, if you could give just one takeaway or something that you wanted to highlight over this session, what would you say? In the garden, there were two trees. There was a knowledge of good and evil was the first tree. And then there was a tree of life. And so I think about we work a lot with people who have done unimaginable things. And so if you want to just be be good and not be bad, if I don't want to kill, if I don't want to prostitute, if I don't want to do drugs, if I don't want to do these things. I'm plugged into the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and I'm just trying to be good. But also, if I have multiple degrees, if I'm married to the love of my life, if I drive what I want to drive and live in the gated community, I'm also plugged into the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And I think if I had to say one thing, we need to disengage from that tree, we need to unplug from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and we need to plug into the tree of life, that I am so obsessed with him that I say, good morning, Holy Spirit, that he's who I think about when I wake up. He's who I think about throughout the day, as Dr. Tucker described, it would be something that I would call praying without ceasing and leaning into what he's already doing because I'm plugged into him and what he's up to. And then I just become a part, a small part of what he's already doing. And he's the last thing that I think about before I go to bed and not out of religion, but out of relationship. If there's anything that takes me away from that and plugs me back into the tree of knowledge of good and evil, then I choose not to do those things. Things because I'm not ignited with him. I'm not fueled with him. And so if he's fueling the song of Solomon, or if he's fueling me spending 30 minutes or five hours or listening to this or listening to that, then I adjust what I need to do so that I am acutely aware of being plugged into him and him alone. So what I'm hearing is religion and rules aren't, aren't going to get us there that it's a living and breathing relationship with our Father, that through the blood of Jesus, we've been reconciled into relationship with our Creator and that He wants to. He wants to sit with us and He wants to talk to us and He wants to, to speak to our hearts and to meet every desire in us so that we're not just left to try to figure it out or white-knuckle it or just be good enough because that doesn't get us anywhere. And it's just beautiful that we even have a father that it's not even that he's willing, but that he does like he's willing to be with us. And then he does sit with us and somehow it heals things that we don't even know how he's healing it. And it's just beautiful. And what I'm hearing is, is if I would just take a second and, and, ask myself what tree I'm plugged into and then make a choice of surrender to unplug from that tree and to plug into the tree of life and to see what he's saying to experience truth and to experience a love like no other, then I could, I could change everything about me and I could be changed 
on a physiological level and and my brain will start to change. And as my brain starts to change, then your life is going to change. And isn't that what it's about? (laughs) And then we get to live into, into the original design that he had planned for us and that he offers that back to us. So, uh, Thank you, guys. Thank you, Dr. Tucker, for being here and for sharing so vulnerably. It is beautiful. And thank you, Dr. Lori, for sharing your brain dumps as per usual. And thank you all for listening. So until next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you guys so much for listening to our Relief from Darkness podcast. If you would like more information or are looking for more resources to help overcome the topics we've discussed here, please visit the No Boundaries International website at www.nbint.org, where we have a free e-course titled Journey of Restoration. And be sure to please leave us any comments or reviews as this will help get our content out to more listeners. We're praying for you guys and we will see you next time.